Hi everyone, welcome back to Jazzy Jill's Jibe. Today we are going to cover some exciting new topics. Today we are going to be talking about ancient Greek dancing, medieval dance, as well as the creation and introduction of ballet. So to begin, it is possible to classify dances according to their purpose or function. And especially in the book that we're reading, which is Ballet and Modern Dance, A Concise History by Jack Anderson, it goes on to say that dances may be divided into three broad categories according to their intent. There are dances performed principally to please the dancers themselves, dances performed to please the gods, and dances performed to please other people. So really, we can see this, especially in ancient Greek dancing. Um, the first category, dances to please the dancers doing them, includes social dancing, which we talked about in our last podcast. It can be very entertaining to watch people um, in a waltz or the latest dance craze like TikTok, but most such dances are intended to be performed rather than watched. And many people who are um, you know, not very good dancers can still enjoy themselves um, dancing these. Um, but of course, many dances may fit into several categories simultaneously. So going on, um, never, nevertheless, theatrical dances, dances done by people while other people watch constitute one of the major forms of dance in cultures around the world. And the most influential of ancient Western civilizations was that of Greece. And uh, people of Greece believed that dance was divinely inspired and they allowed the art to play an important part in religion, education, and theater. They viewed the union of dance, music, and poetry as symbolic of the harmony of mind and body, and indeed of civilization itself. And that quote comes right from the book, which I found um, very um, in-depth and interesting. Um, but yeah, many Greek dances can be traced back to the island of Crete. Um, dancing was both a religious rite and an amusement for the Cretans. Among Cretan dances were vigorous male dances involving um, clanging of weapons and shouting that were performed um, to praise um, military personnel, but also to honor the powers of nature and to frighten off evil spirits. Others were religious dances that would often take place in a formation in a circle to invoke the gods. Dances in which the participants carried snakes, which to them were considered sacred, harvest dances, and dances associated with mystic cults. So you can see that the Greeks had a very broad, um, broad sense of what dance is and the many ways that they used it in their culture. But yeah, to um, channel the dancers' energies constructively, they would have them perform rituals at festivals. Um, one in particular is the Diddy Ramb, a song and dance performance to flute music. Um, so yeah, going on, 
Dancing was done by members of a chorus. At first, the Diddy Rhombic 50, then 12, and um, then 15 members. Performances were given in large outdoor amphitheaters. And I'm sure you've seen photos of Greek outdoor amphitheaters that had these huge um, performance spaces that had um, rows and rows of seats going up a hillside. Um, so this is where performances typically took place. Um, dancing formed also uh, part of the fancy dinner party entertainment known as the symposium. The Greeks really took um, dancing to a whole other level um, with making it very grand um, in, in entertainment. So after a fine meal, they would um, they would they would um, anoint themselves with oil and garlands, and they would have professional dancers come in. Um, and perform, and then they would also sing sometimes the recitation of poetry or other theatrical acts would be performed. So that is a major contribution from the Greek society. Um, another thing that is notable is the pantomime, which is a theatrical form that developed in the later days of Greek culture and flourished until the sixth century. Um, the pantomime was a program introduced by a plot summary and accompanied by singers and musicians in which a solo performer portrayed all the characters in a story taken from mythology or history. So the performer would change costumes or change masks um, and would play every single character in the story. And this is a very hard task to do, but this became extremely popular in Greek culture. Um, yeah, so that is kind of my broad overview of Greek dances. Dance was also an important part of life in the Middle Ages for nobility and common people alike. There was dancing by peasants at street fairs and by noble lords and ladies in castle halls. Dancing was also part of the entertainment sponsored by the medieval guilds. Many guilds acquired considerable political power and some were permitted to hold public celebrations, especially during feasts as the carnivals that preceded Lent. So moving on, um, medieval dances included both dances to instrumental music and vocal dances, which were performed as songs sung by spectators or by the dancers themselves. Indoor dances were accompanied by flute, um, the lute, viola, and other stringed instruments that um, had a very, had a softness texture to the sound. Um, among the festivals, Festive medieval dances were the Ducita, a particular favorite of the wealthy, and the Stantipas because of its complexities. The Estepi was a stately dance for couples and some scholars believe, developed around 1400 into the Bossy Dance or Bossed Dance which is a slow moving dance with low elegant steps 
that derived its name from the French bassi and the Italian bassa, both meaning low. Two other graceful forms, the round and the carol, were group dances that featured circular patterns. In castles and palaces, dances served as party entertainments, and it is clearly seen in all of these examples. Um, a well-known English variant of the Morcia is the Morris dance. The Morcia featured bizarre movements and participants wore masks or blackened their faces to make themselves look exotic. Um, and obviously there are many things that are um, wrong with this, um, but it's interesting to see like how many different variants of these medieval dances took place. Um, a particular famous example is the dinner ballet that Berganzio di Botto produced in 1489 at a banquet celebrating the marriage of the Duke of Milan. And it's vaguely reminiscent of a modern nightclub floor, floor show. It consisted of several loosely related scenes based on um, classical mythology Yet, in some way, it was appropriate to a particular course of the meal, which I think is very interesting. So that covers our medieval dances. And now we are going to jump into ballet. So now we're going to talk about the creation of ballet and the important figures that made ballet a reality. The first person that I want to mention is Catherine de' Medici. So a little bit about her. Years before she had left her native Italy um, as the bride of the Duke, who eventually became Henry II, she is noted as a very strong-minded woman and was also involved in politics and very much a trendsetter. She brought with her from Italy into France the fashion for cosmetics and face powder. And she also is known to have covered her the walls of her Paris mansion with 119 mirrors, um, which definitely helped create a fashion for large wall mirrors. She even um, brought with her the fork, um, which is a very common dinner utensil. But back in that time, nobles customarily ate only with their fingers or a knife. So... Catherine de' Medici was uh, quite the trendsetter and definitely an important figure that we're going to discuss more about. So um, a musician and dancing master, Bayo Joylux, um, is a choreographer and he made, choreographed the dance for Catherine. Um, and it was called the Ballet Comique de la Roigny which is regarded as the most important early attempt to create an extended choreographic spectacle. And it wasn't really termed a ballet yet because it doesn't really resemble anything we know now associated with that term. There was no stage and um, the performance took place on the floor of the hall itself. Um, in addition to dances, this ballet contained recitations and songs with music by Lambert de Bunuli and 
Jack's Salmon. Um, and in this ballet, um, it lasted nearly six hours. So it was definitely, um, it was a very grand spectacle. And it was um, something that we wouldn't think of ballet as for today. Um, the ballet comique contained general and moral significance. Um, it represented the base passions of humanity and the divinities who defeated her. Um, Circe, I believe. Yes. Um, it included not only Minerva, but also Pan, which symbolizes the power of nature and Jupiter, the royal of the gods. So we can see very much a similarity between um, the these beginning ballet elements and relating it back to um, the Greek tragedies and the Greek comedies that um, these themes are very closely related. Um, but yeah, these um, he made the choreography which emphasized geometrical patterns. And among the collaborators on the production were the composer and a poet. So yeah, their followers announced that they wished to revive the poetry, music, and dance of the ancient world. They were really missing what, um, you know, what the Greeks had, and they wanted that to become an important part of their society. Um, among the 16th and 17th century dances, many are known to us and can be reconstructed from dancing, ma dancing masters' notions and descriptions. One popular dance was, was the ceremonious pavane, which in the ballroom was often coupled with the galliard, which is a dance with leaps and kicking steps. Other dances were the swift corante, which contained running and gliding steps, the volta, in which the lady leaped and turned in midair, and there was also the slow-paced saraband, which some moralists branded um, as scandalous. And these and other dances could all be incorporated into these new ballets. The female roles were customarily played by men or boys, although women were free to participate in them in the ballroom. Men were always assigned the jumps and the fancy steps, while um, the women, they really wanted them to exude grace and elegance and a sense of lightness. And often dancing masters would tell their students to hold on to a chair for balance or hold on to a railing for support. And from this custom developed the bar, which is now a standard feature of every ballet classroom. In regards to formations, um, according to an account of 1619, triangles symbolize justice, three circles conjoined mean truth known, a square within a square indicates virtuous design, and three circles within one another represent perfect truth. And you can see these choreographic patterns. Dancers could also form letters of the alphabet or words. So they were really starting to discover all of the different kinds of formations that can exist in dance and in these ballets. I also think it's important to note that women were definitely not choreographers, that men took the role as the choreographer. However, 
in Seville, Spain, there was a city where choir boys danced in the cathedral. And women actually achieved considerable importance as choreographers. So that was a big difference from France or England, is that Spain actually um, allowed women to take this prominent role in the creation of these dances. During the 16th and the first two-thirds of the 17th century, Seville celebrated occasions such as religious feasts, royal births, and the arrival of visiting dignitaries with elaborate processions. And during these processions, the dancers would march um, from the cathedral and through the city streets so that everyone could see them. Um, and then this theatricalized versions of ballroom dances to dramatic works on religious, historical, and mythological themes could be seen through these. The French looked to Italy because it was the source of so many remarkable developments in art, music, and dance. Louis IV danced in court ballets, for which he occasionally also wrote the scenario and the music. Now, Louis is a very important figure that we're going to dive into more deeper because um, he was a monarch and also often appeared in dignified roles. He betrayed the spirit of fire um, and also, yes, just participated in so many different ballets. Um, also, another popular form of entertainment in this time was the ballet uh, Entre, a series of independent scenes ranging from the serious to the fantastical. Um, and thus, thus, many ballets were formed. And this even included roulette players, Spanish dancers, warriors, doctors, and headhunters. So definitely more of a mix of performers on the stage. Um, several changes in ballet occurred during the 17th century. And the most important of them was that ballet moved out of the ballrooms and halls and into proscenium theaters. And this was a big change because now dance could be seen as a separation from the audience, that there was a professional dancer on stage and the audience that was watching. French court ballet reached its peak under Louis V, who, who reigned from 1643 to 1715. And one of his most notable roles of, is that he was the living embodiment of one of his most famous um, characters, which is the Sun King. He always associated himself with the sun and as this person who was very dramatic and maybe a little bit full of himself. He tried to make his entire life a theatrical spectacle, whereas everywhere he went, he was like, life is a dance, and he wanted to live every second of it in that way. Um, masquerades were often performed during these mass balls, particularly in the carnival season just before Lent, and I think that is important to note going into our next section, which talks about more um, court ballets. Now, many musical scores for court ballets were composed by Jean-Baptiste Lully, and that is a name you'll definitely want to remember. Um, he was a fine comedian, and his greatest importance was as a composer of elegant, sophisticated music. However, the foremost dancing master of the era was Pierre Bouchamps, teacher of Louis V and one of the highest paid of the king's servants. Louis V's day when dancers 
In his day, when dancers wore heeled shoes and bulky costumes, the amount of turnout was less. And this is very going much into the technical side of ballet. Turnout was first introduced into ballet technique as a theatrical adaption of the fashionable fencer stance. Because fencing requires um, very much of stability and balance. So they wanted to incorporate this wider range of motion that would allow the dancer to build up strength um, in their legs. But his most notable contributions is founding the Academy Royal de Dance, and which also opened up the Paris Opera Ballet, um, which still survives today as the oldest ballet company in the world. So we can thank um, Louis for his major contributions in ballet. Thank you so much for listening. Have a nice day.